Cousin A was caught in a friendly wave crossfire in front of Rainbow Bridge yesterday. It's easy to think a wave is directed your way at the local grocery store where literally everybody knows your name and what nut butter you're currently using, <coughs> Kim Maxwell. With all of this in mind, it's quite understandable why person A thought person B was giving her the old wave and what up nod, so person A promptly waved back. Unfortunately, at that exact moment, person A noticed person B was in fact looking behind her and not waving at her at all. He was waving at Ted Danson, and literally, literally everybody does know Danson's name. Person A, realizing she had just waved back to someone that was not waving at her and even worse that the wave was intended for a celebrity, ran to her car, drove home, and told her dog the whole story. All he appeared to care about was getting fed. No one was injured in this wave crossfire incident. <laughs> the story. Welcome back to the Townies podcast. I am Kim Maxwell and I am a townie. I'm a townie who loves other people's stories. I teach a weekly writing and performance workshop here in my ridiculously small fishbowl of a town nestled in the foothills of Ventura County. And for 25 years, the raw and vulnerable musings of my brilliant and courageous students have sent me home filled with hope. Some of my beloved students are seasoned professionals. Some have never even been on a stage before. But there they are, up in front of a live audience, flinging themselves and their brand new words into the abyss. Their reward? They have been heard. They matter. Their words matter. And the audience? Well, they have just officially been granted permission to do the same. To go out there somewhere and take a big old risk. And that is the sacred exchange between terrified storyteller and gracious audience member. Permission. I love people's stories. Because stories are what connect us. This is the Townies Podcast. Welcome to the Neighborhood. Episode 24, Nerds, Part 2. First story, 99, written and performed by Georgia Schreiner. From the very top of her brilliant head to the expressive tips of her tiny toes, this high school freshman is just one gigantic breath of fresh air. Also, I have never seen her in a pair of shoes. Damn, that must suck. You just cut that hair off yourself, didn't you? <laughs> just now, with a pair of those kid scissors? In your room? Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> oh my god. I remember when I did that. I had a beautiful head of hair, and one day I cut it all off. It looked ugly as hell for a long time. Almost as bad as yours. <laughs> but boy, did it feel good as I was cutting. I'm going to be honest with you, kid. I hate babysitting. <laughs> Why can't kids just take care of themselves? 
<laughs> oh, for God's sake, don't start crying. I'm not the one who cut your hair off. <laughs> Believe me, kid, it's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> Cutting your hair off is fun. It's leaving it on that's horrible. Pretty soon, your hair is actually going to matter. Pretty soon, everything's going to matter. And it's going to matter more than it should. Jesus. 14 does not feel as good as I thought it would. I thought everything would be so much better at 14 than at 8. No offense, kid. <laughs> it feels like, like a 99, you know? 99, not 100. I guess that's okay, right? 99 is fine. No one needs more than 99 ever. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know what? Actually, it's not okay. 99 is not fine. You know what they always told me? They said, Georgia, your grades are fine. They're more than fine. They're superb. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> you don't think I know that my grades are absolutely fine? I know they're perfect. But see, they're not actually perfect. A 99 is not perfect. It's one whole shitty percent away from perfect. <laughs> oh, don't look at me like that. You don't think I know I should stop caring so much? You don't think I know that's really all not that important whether I have a 99 or a 100? I know, okay, I know. But I just can't silence the voice in my head constantly screaming to get that fucking 100! We're okay on the whole swearing thing, right, kid? <laughs> really? I don't even want it. I don't want a 100. I want to be happy, to have a life, to care about more than just a few numbers on a page. But it's not a matter of wanting it. It's a matter of needing it. It's my drug, my high. Because whenever I get a 100 on a test, on an essay, on a grade, I get high. I get high just for a moment on the feeling of being good enough. Oh, perfection. I love perfection. Perfection is the only way to shut up the voice. The voice that tells me I'm inadequate, subpar. I have been given everything. A house, a family, plenty of food, extra money for things I simply want, and a private school education. I mean, here I am whining about babysitting in 99s. And with all I've been given, with all I've been privileged with, all I can manage to do is 99? That's all I'm worth? 90 fucking 9? <laughs> so many people have had such tough lives. They've suffered through so much. Me? I've suffered through nothing. My dog died and my parents got divorced. So what? That happens to everyone. No, I mean, your parents. They're gonna, they're gonna do But seriously, with all I've been given, all I can manage to do is 99? If I had just focused a little harder, studied one more minute, I'd have had my 100. But I'm lazy. I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy of, of anything, really. You don't even know what I'm saying, do you? You're just a kid. 
I'm just a kid. Jesus, I got 80 more years of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just angry. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at myself for needing some worthless numbers and letters to feel good. But it doesn't change anything. I would love to let go, to cut my hair off, to do things because I love and want to do them, and because I care about them, not because I need to do them right. But I can't, because I know, I know that every action I take, every breath, affects my future, because the future always has strings attached. And right now, those strings feel like a rope around my neck, pulling and squeezing all my dreams and creativity right out of me. (laughs) Do you know that the craziest, most radical thing I've ever done is cut my hair off? (laughs) The one time when I said, fuck the consequences. And even then, I only did it because I was too young, like you, too innocent to know the consequences. And why? Why can't I just go, just savor life and cut my hair off when I feel like it? Because of the expectation. The expectation that I will get 100s and have an amazing life and grow up to be important, significant. This expectation of mine has made me nothing more than a slave to my future. A servant to this greater being that I have no faith is really great at all. Only expectation that it will be. Jesus, I'm sorry, kid. I probably shouldn't be babysitting you anymore. This <laughs> you know what? I think stuffing yourself with numbers and ratings of your worth only makes you feel more empty inside. You know what? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of listening to the clanking and crashing of percents and numbers rolling around in my head. It makes me dizzy. I will always fall short of perfection, of 100, and of the expectation. 100 will never fill the void. You know what, kid? Fuck 100. Hey, go get the scissors, will you? <laughs> that was Georgia Schreiner. That guy. Written and performed by Andrew Berkovitz. This student ambassador for the Rotary Youth Exchange spent his first year of college in Switzerland. Back in the U.S., Andrew is now a thriving sophomore at Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, while the rest of us are missing him terribly. Hey, Liam. Welcome to the infirmary. (laughs) Wow, that's a big cut. Don't worry, it looks worse than it is. Headwinds always bleed the worst for some reason. Not really sure why that is. I know it hurts, but honestly, you're going to be fine. The ambulance is on the way and we already called your parents. They're going to meet you at the emergency room. And another thing, I'll be waiting right here. 
At least until the paramedics take over. What else is a camp counselor for, anyway? <laughs> Keep the pressure on. It helps staunch the bleeding. Looks like only about five stitches to me. You'll be in and out of there before you know it. Trust me, I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> I'm actually kind of known for my accidents. Feel free to ask any one of the other camp counselors, and they'll give you a long list of my near misses. I've been in this very infirmary, oh, I don't know, probably a half dozen times. <laughs> Along with dozens of others around the globe. First one was my run-in with the metal slide in my backyard. Yeah, I spit a few chiclets, but they were just baby teeth, so it was okay. Then there was the broken wrist at junior camp. And oh, can't forget the infamous Colorado zipline stitches. You know, they took down that zipline that year because of me. I felt kind of bad for that one. Oh, and then the Libby Park electrical box stitches. There was a blood stain on that box for like five years. Oh, Zacka Lake. How I remember Zacka Lake. I don't remember what happened before. I just remember hearing, don't go on the deck of the yurt. So I ran straight there. <laughs> hey, I was 10. 30 seconds later, I was bleeding from my nose, dangling 15 feet above some rocks in a gnarly looking bush of poison oak. Honestly, I haven't grown out of it like they said I would. <laughs> Just last year at El Capitan State Beach, I was happily swimming with a few of my friends. Yeah, a nice day at the beach, until the waves started to come. The adults called everyone back in, but of course, with my luck, I was underwater at the time. <laughs> when I resurfaced, I realized the water around me was empty. It was at this moment I knew something was wrong. <laughs> As I turned to head back to the beach, I felt a giant wave swell up behind me. I turned around just in time to see it as it crashed on top of me. When I came up for air, everyone was running around the beach yelling things like, Call 911! And, Your head is bleeding! And, Oh my god, I'm gonna throw up! Uh, good times. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. You're that guy. I've been watching you take these tumbles since the first day of camp, and today, well, it confirms it. You're that guy. You know, the one, the one that gets knocked down and injured at every single school and family event, at playgrounds and on vacations, and even at the Vatican. But it's okay. I'm here with you because I'm that guy too. And it's okay. Well, it's better than okay. It's great. When you're that guy, yeah, you get knocked down a lot. But honestly, what fun is life if you don't get knocked down now and then? But that's not the point. When you're that guy, you don't just get a lot of stitches. You get experience. <laughs> not, in just, not just in getting knocked down, but in getting back up. Look, the paramedics are here, so I'm going to get out of the way. Just remember, it's not falling down that matters. It's getting back up that counts. I'll see you in a few hours, kid. And you were listening to Andrew Berkovitz. And now, Ted Lennon with his song Face Up from the EP Over Time.
hands almost dry Late morning wake up Cause the sun's in my eyes If something don't change soon You think you're gonna die But something always saves you In the nick of time Come on and wake up Cause it's time to face up To the music About the music and performers featured on the Townies Podcast, please visit thetowniespodcast.org. Bringing home this week's episode in style, Habits, written and performed by Megan Bergvist. Queen of the coffee cart, queen of the river, queen of my heart. Miss Megan is a great friend and quite possibly an even greater storyteller. Okay, it's got to be a tie. Hello, and welcome to the Rescue Cafe. I am so glad you're going to be working with me here at the coffee cart for however long. I mean, I know that you don't want to be a barista, but I think that this is a good place for you to land while you figure out what's next. When I was six years old, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be a ballerina for Halloween that year or a nun. Because 
at that age, what I wanted to be for Halloween was what I actually wanted to be in the world when I grew up. You know, and like when I was four and I wanted to be a cat for Halloween, I actually wanted to be a cat. <laughs> and now I was six and it was time to get a little more serious about my future. And since it was much easier for my mom to find a pink sparkly size 6 tutu than it was for her to find a teeny tiny habit, <laughs> a ballerina I would be. And I absolutely loved my costume. I loved how it made me feel and how it inspired me to want to dance. Oh, but then somebody told me all the years and years of training it would take, <laughs> and that it really wasn't as effortless as it appeared, <laughs> and it just sounded like a lot of work. <laughs> and the nuns just seemed to have so much more fun, you know? <laughs> like Maria from The Sound of Music, <laughs> with her favorite things, and doe, a deer, a female deer, and then the hills that were alive with music. Oh, God, it was great. And then there was the Flying Nun. I used to watch that show all the time, and I loved it. And I so wanted to be her. Sister Bertrell at the Convent Santanco down in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And we actually kind of looked alike with the brown hair and the bangs. And, you know, she could do whatever she wanted, flying around, saving people, whether they needed it or not. <laughs> And she had that great, great habit and the um, cornet. That's what they call that headdress thing with the wings. <laughs> and she was married to Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, how great is that? <sighs> but that was right around the time that I got into all that trouble for borrowing something that didn't belong to me. <laughs> my... my I know. <laughs> My sister and I were in the lobby of our pediatrician's office, and I was completely infatuated with this little illustrated Bible book they had on display. <laughs> and it was so bright and shiny and colorful, and it was like none of the books I had at home. You know, there was actually quite a lot of violence in it, but it also had a lot of little pictures of Jesus. <laughs> and not that I knew what it was called at the time, but I think that in retrospect, I had the beginnings of a crush. <laughs> and why not, you know? I mean, he's depicted as kind and generous and, and handsome and forgiving. So I stole it. I stuffed that little book up my shirt and I stole it. And the miracle was that when I got home, I found in the back of the book a little stack of order forms so I got my sister, who had much better printing than I did, to help me fill them out, and we mailed them. Four weeks later, it was raining picture Bible books on our doorstep. All of them filled with glorious little pictures of my guy. I then scooped them up, took them all down the hall and to the sanctuary of my own bedroom, and I started cutting. <laughs> My mom just assumed they were gifts from one of our religiously fanatical relatives. Or maybe those really nice door-to-door -door people that would wear the suits that we'd always hide from. <laughs> Until she got the bill. 
I was in big trouble. Theft, mail fraud, <laughs> vandalizing the word of God. I begged for mercy. Oh, forgive me, Mommy. I just wanted to be closer to Jesus. Though she was not at all happy with my criminal activity, I think she was actually a little impressed by my enthusiasm and earnest commitment. <laughs> Things escalated. A few years later, I saw the film Godspell. You know that 70s musical set about the Bible set in present-day New York? It was kind of like the Broadway play Hair, but with clothing and Jesus. <laughs> I was nine, so I had no idea what was going on, but I loved it. See, I had been baptized a Catholic, but I didn't really have much religion in my upbringing at all, and I knew nothing about the Bible. So everything I heard and everything I saw on that screen was new and beautiful and passionate and totally melodramatic. And that's when the obsession started. <laughs> in my early teens, it first manifested in a very dedicated period of Bible study attendance. I used to get together every Sunday night with a small Christian youth group. And we had this great teacher named Monty. He was really handsome, knew everything about the Bible, and he could play the guitar and sing. <laughs> He tended to be a little on the dark side and was pretty big on the thou shalt nots. <laughs> and he was constantly reminding us to stay on our path so that we did not backslide into sin and temptation and we could be all that Jesus would want us to be. And then we'd always end with a joyful hymn. I know I am not worthy, but still a child in your arms. <laughs> As the weeks went on, my infatuation with him and with Jesus grew and grew. And so did the belly of his girlfriend who always sat next to him. <laughs> Eventually, we were told that they had had a moment of weakness. <laughs> well, they were only human, or lost sheep, so to speak. So I set my sights solely on the shepherd, and I upgraded my Bible. I went out and bought the book that had all of his words in red. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall know God. Thou shalt not blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Ask, and it will be given to you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Blah, blah. <laughs> Behold, I am with you always. God, he was so supportive. <laughs> and then came what I like to call my Mary Magdalene period, <laughs> which probably sounds a bit racy. <laughs> See, I knew all along that she was grossly misportrayed and was actually kind of a nun herself. And, and, and that those other disciples were just jealous of her and, and they felt threatened and needed to start rumors about her to maintain their feelings of superiority and closeness to Jesus. <laughs> and yes, I did know all of this prior to reading the Da Vinci Codes. <laughs> it's like Dan Brown read my journals. <laughs> oh... 
I used to imagine that I was her. You know, my mother's name was Madeline, and my grandmother's name was Madeline, and which is, by the way, derivative of Magdalene. So I used to pretend I was Megan Magdalene, <laughs> and that we were married and happy together, and we used to roam the countryside <laughs> teaching love and compassion and doing relationship workshops. <laughs> I guess I mentioned this one time at a law office where I was temping, and that is what ultimately catapulted me into therapy. (laughs) My first session went a little like this. And do you think Jesus has a crush on you? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) He listens when I talk. He's always with me. And he wants me to meet his dad. (laughs) We had a lot of work to do. (laughs) But you know, progress was made, and uh, I'd stopped quoting him at staff meetings. (laughs) I gave up my weekly viewing of The Last Temptation of Christ, and I had cut way back on my ritualistic stalking of all the handsome, earthy, bearded, sandal-wearing men who daily roam the Ojai streets. So you see, therapy works, and we grow, and we survive, and, and we even thrive. You know, I mean, look at me now. I have this coffee cart at St. John's. I get to train you. I get to be on the nuns all day long, and I don't want to be one anymore. I've even started dating real people. And I guess this is all just a roundabout way of saying it gets better and this too shall pass. (laughs) But you know, there's nothing you can do to make me untrue to my guy. My guy. There's nothing you can say to tear me away from my guy. My Closing out this week's episode, Megan Berkfist. I'm from here. Here's the story. Please join us every other Tuesday for a new round of freshly minted stories. I am Kim Maxwell of Kim Maxwell Studio, and we teach people to launch their stories loudly and unapologetically into the world, to laugh more, risk more, and have bigger lives. The Townies Podcast is co-produced by Lily Brown, Asa Larmonth, and Ken Eros. Studio engineering and mixing by Eros Creative and Sound. The Townies theme song was written and performed by Rain Perry, recorded and mixed by Martin Young, and mastered by Mark Hallman at the Congress House. The Townies podcast is in part made possible by a generous grant from the Ojai Arts Commission and the City of Ojai, a small town with big stories. You can find out more about us at thetowniespodcast.org. Thank you for listening. Are you just reaching for outtakes anywhere? Hey, hey, breakfast. I'll have it. I'll have it.
snacks over easy. Oh! And while you're making breakfast. Uh, we got nothing. I gotta find some. <laughs> I'll take it.